The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hey, everybody, welcome in. It is our Thursday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studio. Thanks to Dick Gabriel for filling in yesterday after the late night down in Knoxville. She's telling Shannon, the uh, whoever had the room before I did, left the alarm set, set for 6 a.m. That was not a good time to get up. But fortunately, I was able to go back to sleep for a little while. And uh, glad Gabe could uh, cover things, and glad to be back with you guys today to talk uh, UK sports. We'll lead it off with the new O-line coach for the Wildcats, Coach Zach Yenser, heading up the big blue wall now. He'll join us here to lead off the program, Mike Pratt, a little later. And then Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated. That is the batting order for this Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Giuseppe's of Lexington. We'll start with Coach Cal on the radio show last night. Uh, no update on Ty Ty Washington or Xavier Wheeler. Um, somebody, I uh, saw some folks were asking uh, d- d- uh, about Jacob Toppin, too. I mean, he played really well uh, Tuesday, so I assume there's no issue with uh, him. He landed on his hip uh, once during the game, but continued to play. But uh, Washington came out and didn't go back in, and Cal has said that he. Uh, wishes he had just uh, not used him in this game. Ty Ty said he could go. He was cleared medically to play, so there's that level of clearance. And then there's like, how does the player feel, and how is he moving? He's you know he's not going to you know in a situation where he's going to injure himself anymore, but can he be like his normal self? Uh, and uh, so we'll we'll see. That's going to be the determination, I'm sure, for Ty Ty. Severe seemed to jam up his wrist late. That may not have been any big deal. We'll uh, we'll see as the week plays out. Um, but for Ty Ty, obviously, uh, his uh, appeared to be a uh, bigger deal because he didn't come back into the game. And so now we'll see if he plays on Saturday or if it's next week or whenever. Um, they will, I would assume, play him when he feels like he's ready to play and is looking like he's ready to play. And so at this point, you know he is trying to gut it out and <clears throat> try to play through it. I was thinking about Keith Bogans in the uh, Elite Eight back in 03. And that was a different situation because it was a win or your season's over kind of game. So, you know, they, he, he, but he clearly wasn't himself and they just couldn't, uh, couldn't use him. Here you've got certainly more games to play, but uh, with Ty Ty, uh, he, he wasn't uh, 100%. Sometimes, guys, though the adrenaline gets going, you can uh, still play well at less than uh, – you can still play well enough at less than 100%, but that didn't appear to be the case in this game. So I imagine that uh, this time through they'll um, probably be overly cautious in terms of making sure he looks like his old self before he's back out there. So maybe he sits the game Saturday. We'll just uh, wait and see. You know he's getting – any of these athletes at programs like this are getting top of the line treatment better than you know probably you or I are going to get if we roll our ankle out doing a chore, and so they're going to be able to uh, get back a little more quickly. 
Uh, somebody asked, one of the callers asked if Cap would consider changing his stance on uh, Shaden Sharp, and he said there's not going to be any reconsidering on that one. They've already uh, set the course there. He did uh, say more than once, and this uh, I think is going to be, it sounds like a, a talking point for him. Uh, the quote was, I've got a good team. I've got a team that's built for March. Uh, two things Cal has talked about recently one of his news conferences, I think Gabe asked him the question about how his teams get rolling in uh, postseason usually and uh, seem to hit a peak in most years, and he said it's about fresh minds and fresh legs. And the other thing it's about is getting guys to believe uh, in themselves. At some point, you know what you have, and I think he genuinely likes what he has with this team and feels like he has what it takes to make a deep run, but Realistically, whether you do or not in any given season, when you get to the postseason, you've got to get your guys uh, believing in themselves to get their best out, whatever that is. And I think this team's best, as we've seen in games like the one at Kansas, um, the first one against Tennessee here in Lexington, with a uh, thoroughbred, if you're you know, handicapping a race, one of the things you'll look at is what is – his or her best performance. Uh, when they're at their best, what do they look like? How good can they be? And is that good enough to win this race? And with Kentucky, I think you look at their best, and it's good enough to get to a Final Four and, and to win a title. So then when you're the coach in March, it's just about everything you can to get them to that level. Part of that's health. Maybe you can't control it. Uh, part of it is middle frame of mind, which maybe you can have some control over. So you do whatever you can to get them in the right frame of mind. Uh, last night, uh, Joe Lenardi did his updated bracketology. He's got Kentucky as a two-seed. Not a surprise uh, that they would fall after the loss at Tennessee. They're going to be right there on the edge of a... This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. 27 past the top of the hour. Mike Pratt joins the program now. You can follow him on hey, Twitter. Hey, Tom. How you doing, buddy? Pratt 22. I am doing uh, doing well. We uh, had a nice drive back from Knoxville yesterday. It felt a little better to, to get a, a little decent, uh, halfway decent night's sleep instead of rolling in at 2.30 in the morning. So <laughs> that helped a little bit. It sure does, man. I mean, not a little bit. It helps a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk first about the, uh, the game on Tuesday night. Uh, you're a, a former coach, and so... One of the phrases you use is a coaching phrase of game slippage. And I think what that refers to is as the season plays on and, you know, you've, you go over things again and again with, with players and uh, things start to go well and maybe you're not quite as, as dialed in on, on something as you, you typically are. The, the game plan or going for a rebound with two hands, something Cal Perry was lamenting last night. Some, those, some of those things happen. Did you see some of that in this game? Not really. Um, I, I thought the things he covered, you and I were both at shoot-around. things he covered were important. And he talked about how physical the Tennessee was going to be and they're going to grab and hold you and push. I mean, he laid it all out there. I just think the guys, um, they had a spirited shoot-around, which goes to tell you you can't put a whole lot of uh, importance on the shoot around, but they were uh, spirited, and uh, I, I just think that 
you, you get to a point sometimes where you think you're 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And um, I think they kind of look down on Tennessee. And I don't think they just, they didn't bring the effort and uh, uh, the, the focus when they got punched in the nose to start the game, okay? The, the effort wasn't there. And it's hard to, it's hard to get the effort back after that. If you, if you start the game with effort and energy uh, and you get punched in the nose, I think you are much better equipped to come back uh, from that when you're dialed in, you're focused. And I, I don't think these guys were dialed in Tuesday night. We're talking with Mike Pratt on Twitter. It's at MikePratt22. We're coming up on the hard break at the bottom of the hour, so we'll take that. Come back and uh, have one more segment, and then Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, also in the second half of the Leafs Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. The Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. From the Clark's Puppet Shop Studio, return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Puppet Shops all across the bluegrass. Mike Pratt is with us. It's at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. We're uh, talking about Kentucky's 76 63 defeat at Tennessee. The 19 team lost by 19, actually, at uh, Knoxville. Uh, the 2017 team got blown out uh, at uh, Florida. Both of those teams came back to be in the Elite Eight, and we're just a play or two away from going to a Final Four. The 78 championship team, their first game was a blowout loss at Alabama. So I don't know that uh, you know the, the fact that you get beat by double digits is makes any kind of a strong statement. The thing is, how do you bounce back from that? Do you quickly get refocused, right? Well, you do. You have to get uh, refocused. Uh, you have to uh, do two things. Get refocused, um, energize yourself with uh, – Effort, and the other thing is, you have to have a, a, a short memory. You have to flush that ball game and uh, admit that it was you lost. You played bad. Okay, you take what they call now ownership, and you move on. And that that's going to be the key. Uh, where they go to from here over the next two weeks, they will face an Alabama team on Saturday that they uh, beat by eleven. Margin was a little greater than that at times in the game. Um, Bama had a nice win over Arkansas on Saturday, and then I uh, watched down the stretch probably the last half of the second half last night. They were at home against Mississippi State. They went behind by seven. It was like 64-57. looked like State was getting control of the game, and then Bama went on a run and uh, turned it around and won 80-75. But uh, that is a team that, um, you know, you you have to – it's a little like the, the Tennessee game. You – one of the first things you look at is you can't just get a big margin at the three-point line. It was Bama was three of thirty in Tuscaloosa. If they could pull, it, Kentucky could defend like that again, it would be great. But say Alabama comes in and makes you know eight. Well, if you make six, you're okay. If you make one or two, that's a pretty big disparity to have to overcome. Yeah, you, you're not going to be able to on a, on a given night outshoot Bama from the three-point line because that's the bang. Uh, you're going to have to be able to make your fair share, as you pointed out, and then hold them to a reasonable amount. I think they're averaging probably nine made a game. Um, so it's, uh, again, Kentucky's got to refocus, get that killer instinct, that edge, the chip on the shoulder back. And then Saturday, the fans have got to help them. The fans have got to help them. I thought Tennessee fans were terrific the other night. 
and we need that out of our fans on Saturday afternoon. The uh, little scuffle that happened, it was down at the uh, end of the bench, and there's some uh, feeling that that kind of ignited Tennessee, certainly ignited the crowd. Something like that can can it can certainly uh, happen. It just I think serves to to underscore what we were talking about earlier. Not that any you know, just that one thing was uh, it, the uh, the one breaking point. It's just that Tennessee I think came to that game with uh, an edge that Kentucky didn't have, and then Kentucky kind of. Found it in the second half, at least defensively, to uh, have a shot to get back in the game. But um, you've got to match what the other guy's mindset is when you're in an environment like that, don't you? Oh, yeah. Uh, Kentucky was put on their heels uh, basically the first five minutes that never got back off those heels. And, uh, that's what they did to Tennessee up here. So they're going to have to do that to Alabama. they got to come out punching. They can't uh, – I mean, Alabama's going to land some punches. They're, they're going to – shoot the tray and get in transition, and they're going to score points. But you have to come out, Kentucky. You have to be the leader. You have to start punching right from the start. Get on top, put them on their heels, and then you've got a chance to win. I certainly agree with Cal on, on one thing. He said the most important thing for this team right now is is getting healthy. I um, think when you look at a, at a team as they're getting ready to go into the postseason, what do they look like at their best? And is that good enough to – to get to where you want to go. And I think for Kentucky, that is. We certainly saw it at, you know, at the Kansas games, maybe the best example, given that it was on the road. But you know, we know that their best is good enough to uh, give them a, a good shot against anybody in the country. You know, some teams you look at and you know, you, you're, you're heading into postseason and their best, even at their best, you, you don't think that's good enough. And, and it's hard to then think you're going to get much above that by that time in the year. So for this team... We know their best is is good enough. Now, so the most important thing is is getting them all healthy enough to be able to deliver that best shot at some point. Yeah, I, I think that this team is put together so well, piece by piece. The pieces all fit. That when you have uh, a couple pieces that are either uh, tired, injured, uh, whatever, and they're not at one hundred percent, those pieces then um, aren't the same. And I think without Ty Ty and what he brings to the table, this team is not the same. And you hope Oscar's not wearing down. Um, and, and Wheeler, too. Wheeler has great energy, and he's going to have to take care of himself down the stretch, too, because he puts a lot of minutes in this. His energy is so high. I always think for Kentucky, that gap between the end of the regular season, which will be on Saturday, March the 5th, then you have six days before you play again in the SEC tournament. And that's a, a always a time, it seems like, when Kentucky kind of is able to recharge the batteries a little bit. Hey, yeah, it does. And uh, we hope that happens again because I am concerned maybe with uh, some of the guys' health and how tired they are. So, yeah, they're going to have to take those six days and make the most of it as far as refueling um, and recharging themselves. Uh, Kentucky, uh, Alabama, uh, you know, at their best, has beaten teams like, you know, Gonzaga, Houston, uh, Baylor, uh, Auburn, we know is outstanding. I think you, know, you were very high on Tennessee coming into this season, and it, it looks like the Vols now are kind of becoming the team that I think you thought that they might be. So there's, uh, you know, Alabama's still iffy, but those those other three, I think, are legit final four caliber teams 
Yeah, Tennessee really has got some good guards. They got three guys they can play at the guards, and then they have uh, Jones uh, at the swing position, the three position when he's playing. Their their issue is in the post. I mean that that's they're, they're not they're not Final Four in the post now. A lot of teams have been carried to the Final Four by good guard play. Tennessee's got that. They're a dangerous team because of their guards. Look around the uh, the country, and uh, out, we talk obviously a lot about the SEC. Who else has impressed you the most when you look outside the league? Let's say other than Gonzaga, we know they're very good and uh, putting up huge numbers, getting very impressive right now. But uh, who else catches your eye? You watch a lot of basketball. Well, you know, there's a lot of teams. The Big 12 has got some really good teams. They seem to be, Kansas seems to have risen to the top. But, you know, Baylor at Texas Tech are awfully good. Over in the ACC, you have Duke. Um, this Wake Forest team could pull could pull some upsets. They're pretty good. Um, uh, in the Big 10, that thing is, man, that is a, it's like uh, the SEC at the top. There's a battle going there. And I, I still can't, I can't leave Purdue. I think they got, the right pieces. They're not playing real well now, but I like that ball club. They're big inside. They're good inside, and they got uh, the guard that um, is just terrific. Uh, and then they got a shooter um, uh, on the wing. Now, if they get it together down the stretch, they, they got a team that uh, is a Final Four team, no question. Mike Pratt joins us on Thursdays here on the Leach Report. Thank you, sir. It's at Mike Pratt 22 on Twitter. Mike and I will be signing books at uh, Carmichael's on uh, Frankfurt Avenue in Louisville at 2 o'clock. We'll do a little Q&A with fans and then uh, uh, sign books at the uh, Carmichael's location in Louisville this Sunday afternoon starting at 2 o'clock. So uh, invite folks in that area to come by and see us. We'll be right back with Justin Rowland. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Hamburg and in Palomar. They have uh, the new online system for uh, getting you on the uh, wait list ahead of your visit at WildEggs.com. So make sure you take advantage of that. It'll speed up the process when you're heading in for breakfast, brunch, or lunch. Justin Rowland joins us from CatsIllustrated.com. Uh, let's start with a little football and the uh, new offensive line coach who we visited with early on the program, Zach Yenser. Um, seems like a uh, good fit on paper. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, it checks all the boxes. Like, if you're looking for an offensive line coach for the big blue wall, I mean, it makes a lot of sense why Steve should bring this guy in. Everybody says he's a blue-collar guy, obviously, Ties to Kentucky, uh, and I think his style is going to be a lot like that of John Schlarman. Um, and th- that's going to be kind of the continuity angle. I think the way things went down with Eric Wolford, um, it makes sense that Stoops would, would want to get back to something he's a little bit more familiar with and, and a little bit more of that continuity piece. And, you know, he's got a big job in front of him because they have short-term and long-term questions on the offensive line, but he also has a nice core of players to, to work with and build around. Yeah, you, you look at a guy like uh, Kenneth Horsey, who has uh, been primarily uh, playing at guard, shifted out a little bit this past season to, to tackle in a pinch. So can he <coughs> – excuse me, sorry, I had to cough. Can he – Go out and and play the tackle position as well as he was at uh, as well as he could at guard. 
I know there were some issues in the bowl game, but uh, that was one game. So can he do that? Or uh, do you uh, weaken the guard position and not strengthen the tackle position enough if you do that? And do you are you better off leaving him at guard? That's one of the things you've got to make that decision on in the spring, right? And he might make a different decision than Eric Wolford had made. I just think in terms of horsey and tackle, their hands are tied a little bit. They don't have any returning experience at tackle. And they've got more depth, I think, at guard. And I think it's easier to develop depth at guard than it is at tackle. So Horsey, even though he's shorter than you typically see a tackle, makes a lot of sense to move there because he does have the wingspan for it. He has the athleticism for it. And I wouldn't judge him or anybody too harshly on the basis of what happened against a very good Iowa defensive line in a bowl game in a pinch, like you said. So, yeah, I think it's almost a foregone that Horsey moves, especially since they're still looking for another tackle to bring in to be another starter, unless David Wolobar, DeAndre Buford can can make some strides this offseason and maybe be a year ahead of schedule in, in terms of a starter themselves. Yeah, one name that's been mentioned is a guy that played at Vanderbilt at tackle, but uh, just uh, read something somewhere in the last 24 hours that uh, he's starting to attract some new suitors and uh, that uh, you know the transfer portal is that particular option, the transfer portal, I don't know if it'll be available to them or not, right? Yeah, it's an interesting calculation that coaches have to make right now. Do I want to take somebody uh, who I might like some, I might like a little bit, and lock in, make sure we've got somebody, or do we want to wait and roll the dice and see if we can get another Dare Rosenthal? And I just don't know if somebody like that's going to fall into their lap this time because um, that was a unique circumstance, number one. Number two, every tackle that goes into the portal, everything that I've heard is it's just like a shark tank. I mean, <laughs> tackles are in such high demand that, um, you know, if you, unless you have a real connection with a guy going in, it's going to be tough. That's why Virginia, where his brother is, is going to be going, um, they've got a chance now. I know Alabama's been involved, Penn State, Kentucky, stands a good chance to get Tyler Steen in for a visit in the near future, and that's very important. But, you know, I, I saw a little bit of a question about him. Um, I think he's good in eight or nine games on, on next year's schedule. How's he going to hold up against Georgia, against Florida, against Mississippi State, teams like that? I don't know. But that's just that's a sign of how hard it is to recruit offensive tackles from the portal right now. Shift to basketball at catsillustrated.com. One of the uh, headlines is looking for themes in Kentucky's five losses and the picture that's with the stories, Ty Ty Washington. One thing I know just from the numbers I look at is he's averaged under six points a game in the games that they lost, and the one game that they missed, they needed overtime to win at home. So that, mm-hmm. that those, those numbers speak to that being one of the themes. Yeah, there there are a number of themes. They don't shoot it well in the losses. That that seems obvious. Other teams are shooting forty eight percent in the losses and. That's the, that's one that may be related the least to Ty Ty's health, but it's still related to it. Yeah, you can't give up 48% shooting. I think this team has gotten some praise for its defense, and I think rightfully so because they communicate and they play really hard, but there have been times when the defense could improve. I think another one reason for that is also the shot selection on offense. These, these losses away from home – in losses on the road, sometimes shot selection does you in and it causes runouts and quick baskets the other way. I think that, that impacts it, but you know, they don't rebound as well in losses. Oscar Shiwa's minutes have, have actually not been a factor. Maybe the timing of a foul here or there, but he's played more in the losses than in the wins, which is a surprise to me. Um, but yeah, Ty Ty is the big X factor. I mean, two of the losses, he just, his health was a huge factor in that. 
And then the other three, he didn't play well. So he, he not only has to be healthy, I think, he has to play well for them to win a title. When I watch them defend uh, and coaches talk about you know being connected, and uh, that's especially true, I think, on, on defense. But, you know, the, this team, to me, reminds me a little bit of an offensive line. We were talking about that topic a moment ago. In that, it's the offensive line, it's five guys working together. You can have one great offensive lineman, but uh, if, uh, if the rest of the group isn't of similar quality or they don't work together, uh, that, that, that may not matter as much as it should. This is a team that doesn't have that DeAndre Liggins guy that can you know, lock down multiple positions. Uh, Xavier's pressure on the opposing point guard is, is is big, but that's that's one spot. They don't have a guy that you can you know necessarily put in and just know he can lock down a you know a great scorer on the wing. Uh, they don't have you know a great rim protector uh, to uh, erase mistakes. So it seems to me they've got to be five guys working together, uh, communicating, and collectively defending well. That's what it's uh, when they've. You know, defended well. Like Kansas is the best example. That you know, they they were spot on uh, and uh, defended Abaji obviously tremendously well. Um, and that's where this team has to have you know all five guys on the floor really connected to be as good as they need to be defensively. I think. Agreed. Yeah, and and even on offense, it's a team where the whole is better than the sum of the parts. And David Sisk has written about how the little things about this team, like they sprint through handoffs. On offense, they, they go at a faster pace. There's less thinking than there is with a lot of other Kentucky teams. And that's true on defense as well. Uh, but there are some things. I mean, this is clearly a national title contender when it's healthy, but some things like how physical is this team other than Oscar? And, and if they face a team, uh, that really takes it to them inside, they, they haven't been out rebounding teams. And some of that is the, the way teams are shooting and long misses and whatnot. But there are little things to address going to the tournament. But I, I just feel like if Sci-Fi is healthy, there's no reason to worry about them on paper. Um, there are certain matchups. For instance, I think they struggled more against the, the better defensive teams on the schedule. But some of that has been circumstances of going on the road when Sci-Fi hasn't been healthy. Um, so just get him healthy, and I wouldn't want to trade places with anybody else in the country if I were Cal. You know, after the Kansas game, uh, Vanderbilt was next, and they played very physically and gave themselves a better chance to win than they had in Nashville. So I think you're seeing a lot of other teams kind of follow that, that script now. And I'm sure it's not much fun to to be playing that way if you're a Kentucky player. But the one thing it does, it's it's like reps and anything else you do, you eventually do get comfortable with it if you have to deal with it enough. So maybe you know they may take a loss or two down the stretch here, but I don't think the games will, as Cal says, be as physical in the postseason, and they may be better for getting through this. And, you know, sometimes you talk about late losses, and it almost sounds cliche, but I really think it was helpful for them to see the level that Tennessee played at. Giving up 46 points in the first half to that Tennessee team is not a good thing, but that's the level that a team is going to play at away from your home court the last three rounds of the tournament. And Auburn played at that level. And I'm not sure how many other teams Kentucky has played this year that have played at that level. And that's not to take anything away from them for the wins over Kansas and North Carolina and Tennessee and Rupert the first time. But I, I didn't feel like those teams responded well when Kentucky punched them in the mouth early. And so I think them having seen, having the experience of playing Auburn and Tennessee and Knoxville, those are late-round tournament game-type type opponents in, in terms of how they played that day. And I think it was good for them to see it. 
You can read uh, more about what we're talking about and uh, other U.K. coverage at CatsIllustrated.com, at Roland Rivals on Twitter. Thanks, Justin. Thanks, Tom. Close out this edition of the Leach Report. We'll come right back. Make sure you download the Clark's Pump and Shop app so you can get all the great monthly specials from Clark's, like Camo Energy Shots, two for five dollars all this month. Blue Diamond Almonds are two for two twenty-two, and assorted Reese King Size candy bars buy two get one free. Return, refresh, and refuel at Clark's Pump and Shops all across the Bluegrass and the new Main Street Market across from Rupp Arena in downtown Lexington. And go to myclarkspns.com if you'd like to join the Clark's team. They're hiring now at Clark's Pump and Shop. It's pre- Produced locally, and it's top quality. Many of you are putting those two items at the top of your list of priorities when you're making decisions about purchases these days. Should be the same with beef jerky. That's why we partner with Mingy Beef Jerky. It's better because it's hand-cut from a quality piece of solid beef. Never chopped or formed like you get from other companies. Go to MingyBeefJerky.com to see the story of this locally owned and operated company from my hometown in Paris, Kentucky. It's the best. Trust me on that one. Better be beat dry, for the ring comes down, beat dry, for it hits the ground, beat dry, makes a basement sound, beat dry, takes care of that. Your home needs a strong foundation, and beat dry has been the name in home waterproofing for years. Let beat dry solve your basement and crawl space problems for good. I use them for my house. Learn more at BeeDry.com. That's the letter B, BeeDry.com. BeeDry, an affiliate company of Ramjack. Better be beat dry, better be beat dry. Each year, there are amazing stories of young men and young women in Kentucky high school athletics overcoming adversity to compete and excel in their chosen field of competition. We honor those amazing young people through the all-resilient team presented by Bumblebee Team Sports, Keeneland, and Star Manufacturing. Check out past winners on our Facebook page or at TomLeachKY.com. We're sorting through our latest round of nominations and making plans to honor another edition of the TomLeachKY.com all Parents, are you talking about alcohol with your children? If you're not, it's time to consider a free resource, FamilyTalkAboutDrinking.com. Family Talk About Drinking uses different stages to help parents create the right age-specific atmosphere to have meaningful conversations with your kids about underage drinking. FamilyTalkAboutDrinking.com is a free online resource that gives you the confidence and tools to talk with your kids about alcohol at any age. Be part of the solution, not the problem. This is a public service announcement from Kentucky. Kentucky Eagle. of Wildcat history of this day in 75. Freshman Jack Givens followed up his first 20-point game with a 26-pointer and a win over Ole Miss. Back-to-back 20-point games for freshmen who would go on to be an All-American and MOP of the Final Four. Happy birthdays, former Wildcat basketballer Al Robinson and former Kentucky footballer Matt Elam, both celebrating birthdays today. Uh, again, I mentioned it will be at uh, Carmichael's Bookstore, Mike and I, in Louisville on uh, Sunday at 2 Eastern. That's on Frankfurt Avenue. I'll be over at the Kendall Hutch in Stanton tomorrow at noon doing a book signing. So if you're in that area, come out and visit. And we'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a 